welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Parr, and I'm so excited to have you here with me. We're going to explore some of my favorite topics, making money, entrepreneurship, business coaching, relationships, mindset, and of course, horses. So come along for the ride. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I have a really great episode today all about women's health, leaky gut, IBS, constipation, birth control, hormones, diet, nutrition, and we talk about it all with Lindsay Walker. She is the founder of The Holistic Mama. She is an RN turned holistic practitioner and coach, and we talked about all of the things that come up for her own journey and her client's journey when healing things like consistent symptoms of bloating and discomfort, fatigue, all of these things that seem isolated and at times are really treated in an isolated way, however, are all very much related to our gut. So you guys know this is one of my favorite topics because I have been on a journey of healing my gut now for several years, and it has changed so many different things in my own personal experience, like my inflammation, my period pain, my constipation or bloating, just plain discomfort and inability to tolerate foods has changed drastically after being on a gut protocol last year. And so we shared our own stories and we also talked about all of Lindsay's advice when it comes to when you're dealing with these types of things, because though it shouldn't be normal, they're very common for women. So that was the conversation. I know you guys will get so much out of it. I look forward to hearing what you thought and I will let you get into it. If you are a horse owner like me, you are probably equally obsessed with your horse's diet and nutrition as your own. I would say (laughs) probably more so for some of us at least. I have been using Mad Barn supplements for my personal horses as well as my client horses for several years now and I absolutely love their products. They're concentrated, they're affordable, and they're sourced with the horse in mind. Mad Barn as a company does so many different things within the equestrian community, like funding research, developing technology and feeding solutions, and they're constantly providing education and support to horse owners and the broader equine community. If you wanna check out their shop, you can visit madbarn.ca or madbarn.com for the US and use the code SPRINGANEC for 5% off your order. If you are an ambitious entrepreneur who truly knows what she wants to create and has been craving a sense of deeper connection and support, private mentorship might be for you. You have the vision, the ideas, and the drive, but you need someone to help you structure it all together to function as a high-performing business. Have fresh eyes from someone who's been where you want to go. You've been feeling like it's time to step into the powerful, next-level version of yourself, like it's time to take up more space, move bigger, and have a greater impact. You're seeking high-level insights so your business is sustainably profitable and you have a juicy, revolving door relationship with your money. You've been feeling ready to turn up the volume on what you're doing, take more action, create more momentum. 
You're done playing games, watching what everyone is doing around you and testing the waters behind the scenes. You're done hiding. And you're finished with signing up for every single course and program that you never really finished waiting for the answers that deep down you already know are inside of you. If you want someone that can unfold the blind spots in your business and life that you've been holding back on, you're ready to have expansive conversations that keep you on track towards your goals and have access to next level guidance in real time as challenges inevitably pop up, private mentorship is for you. You know your why. You have a deep knowing that you're meant to move bigger, to live a more expansive life, to be bolder, and start genuinely sharing your gifts with the world. If this is you, DM me on Instagram at Jessica Empire Coaching to learn more about my one-to-one program and how we could be a perfect fit. So my name is Lindsay. I am a RN of 10 years and I am now a holistic health practitioner and coach for women. Um, So my story basically, gosh, I don't know. It started probably back in 2016 with my own health journey, Um, struggling with gut health, struggling with hormonal issues, struggling with um, skin issues, just really so many issues that ultimately were rooted in the gut. Um, and that is ultimately why I do what I do now. Like I focus on gut healing with the clients that I work with, um, all through a natural holistic lens. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, I've had my own journey with gut health. So I thought it'd be really fun to get on and chat today. Cause I also think that it is so prevalent for so many women in so many different ways. Um, so maybe you can talk a little bit on the topic of, gut health, or even just share your own story specifically, I think women probably don't understand how impactful our gut health is to our overall health. And I know for me, um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a certified nutritionist or holistic health specialist, but for me, I had a lot of inflammation, chronic pain, you know, really bad hormonal issues Mm -hmm. and just chronic fatigue that I dealt with forever. Um, and it was, there was a lot of, you know, oh, it's IBS. Oh, it's this. So it's that. And finally, I would say, you know, the last year and a half, I was doing a lot of testing and then I was put on a gut protocol and I do feel like it's made a huge difference in my life. So if you want to start with, you know, some of the, the symptoms of having dysbiosis or just even just generally, you know, bad gut health, because there's all different things we could talk about leaky gut, or we could talk about all sorts of different things, but maybe just from your perspective, what are the main symptoms that your clients come to you with? Yeah. Um, so main symptoms I typically see are bloating. Um, that seems to like be a number one, number one culprit is, It's like from the time they wake up to like, they drink a sip of water and they're bloated. They could eat different things and they're bloated. They could eat the same things and they're bloated. Um, Irregular bowel movements is something I constantly see, whether it's constipation, loose stools, some patients or some clients, they go back and forth. um, And some are just kind of stuck in that place of, you know, being told that they have IBS and it's IBS-C, which is constipation or IBS-D, which is, you know, the, the opposite. And so I would say irregular bowel movements, bloating, um, a lot of them often have brain fog and fatigue. So I would say those are the top four that I see, like just across the board. 
Yeah. And the audience members are like, that's me. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, that was the frustrating thing too, is sometimes you can be very mindful of your diet and, you know, your food intake and your sensitivities and, and being really strategic with that sometimes just doesn't help at all. And it can be very frustrating when you're dealing with a physician, <laughs> um, versus someone with holistic health. So what does cause, you know, initially problems with our gut health in the first place? Yeah. So really a number of things, (laughs) um, medications. So a lot of patients or clients who have gone on NSAIDs, if they routinely take NSAIDs. So, you know, things like Motrin, ibuprofen, um, antibiotics. I often get clients who have been on five, 10 plus rounds of antibiotics and that causes a disruption. Um, there are environmental factors. So they're even, they're learning a lot more about even the products that we use and how they are disrupting the gut microbiome. Um, alcohol, of course, alcohol is inflammatory, you know, no matter how you cut it. So, um, if you're a frequent alcohol user that, um, and then also just, um, the different types of food that we're eating. Uh, there's a lot of, I guess, a lot of processed foods that have inflammatory ingredients in them. And, you know, when we're reaching for those processed foods more than we're reaching for whole foods, um, they're kind of void of nutrients, number one. But like I said, they have inflammatory ingredients. So what do you think that's doing to your gut? That's just kind of tearing down that gut lining and just making it weaker and weaker and weaker. So, yeah. And it's hard. Like I grew up on processed food and sugar, <laughs> the <laughs> denial of, of addiction to that food for the longest time, just like, no, it's just faster. It's less expensive. It's easier. And then when I really tried to, you know, cut certain things out of my diet over the last several years, I recognized like my body is addicted to these types mm-hmm. of things. And also no wonder I'm so inflamed and I'm so sick and bloated and constipated and like everything. Um, so I think, you know, general awareness around that, and I'm not overly educated as far as foods go, but for people listening, you mentioned processed and whole foods. I'm sure that most people understand the difference, but maybe you can give some examples of things that are kind of in our everyday diet that maybe we should be paying more attention to or cutting out of our diet. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good thing to make. Um, A lot of my clients ask me the same thing. Even when I mention whole foods, sometimes they're not really certain like what that, that means. Um, But as far as things to be looking for, um, inflammatory oils, that's something that I recommend my clients to look at. And that's oils like sunflower oil, that's canola oil. Um, Trying to think. Pretty much if you can stick to avocado, coconut oil, or olive oil, those three are like your best bet. If you're looking at oils outside of that, there's a high chance that it's it's probably highly processed, overly processed, and it could be inflammatory for your body. Um, but another thing that I always recommend is just like, even when you're grocery shopping, if you stay on the outer parameter of the store, um, typically there's not nearly as many processed foods. Those are whole foods, like fruits, vegetables, you know, even like proteins. Um, nuts, things like that. Those are in their natural state. So yeah, that's such a good one. Um, and so do you have any advice or specific 
uh, perspectives on certain diets for gut health or like, you know, cause there is a lot of, um, information out there. I've tried a lot of different and not like very stringent ones, but there's a lot of different patterns and different studies and research that are based in, you know, especially like anti-inflammatory diets. So what is your perspective on that? So, okay. I feel like I could go so many different ways with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so well, typically when I start working with my clients, I do recommend just for the sake of inflammation, I do recommend them all cut out gluten. Um, if you're listening from the U S the gluten in the U S is sprayed with glyphosate. It's sprayed with so many different pesticides that cause more inflammation in your body. So if you can just remove gluten, which I know, like for most people, they're like, Oh my gosh, I can't do that. That's impossible. It does take time. And it does again, take time to read labels, which is, you know, also something like that I work with my clients on is getting them really good at reading labels, like being a really good detective, um, for yourself. But, um, I think I lost my train of thought there. Yeah. Cutting out or certain diets for, Oh yeah. Sorry. Uh, so the gluten is the number one thing. And then alcohol, I, I recommend cutting that, that out, especially for the length of our protocol. But outside of that, it kind of depends on what we find when we do functional labs. And, you know, I do have clients that do not want functional labs. And then, you know, we start from a different perspective, but if we do get those functional labs and we know exactly if you have leaky gut, if you have SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, um, if you have H. pylori, you know, depending on what we find with those functional labs is kind of what direction we will go as far as creating a specific protocol for you. And the thing I always like to point out though, is like, that's not a forever thing. Like sometimes when I work with clients, they're like, they're like this protocol, I can't do this. I'm like, it's three months typically three to four months. And in the scheme of things, if you've been feeling bad for one, two, three, five plus years, that's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I you know like people, I'm completely guilty calling myself out, you know, like you're always looking for that quick fix. You're in discomfort and you want this, like, you know, I guess too, we're a little bit conditioned as a society over time. Like we would go to the doctor and then they would treat like our symptoms. And as a kid, I remember getting a lot of antibiotics for things and, um, and it took me a long time you know, almost years of dealing with these chronic issues and to, to actually commit to doing that, like the, te- the functional mm-hmm. tests and, and going through the gut protocol. And, and to be honest, it wasn't even that challenging. And I don't know where that resistance comes up for us and why, but mm-hmm. uh, it's life-changing. So I would definitely suggest if you are listening to this and you're struggling with any of the symptoms that Lindsay mentioned that a functional, you know, holistic health practitioner is definitely the place to go. You know, that that's going to be someone who can do those types of tests for you. Um, and so, and, and I just want to circle back to gluten because, um, and, and even in Canada too, I mean, we eat lots of foods from the U S as well. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of label reading needed. And I think you get better at it as you practice it and you start to become aware of these things. It's terrifying. Um, I never really realized what was in all of the things that I was eating and, and still is because sometimes it's hard to get away from that. Um, so, 
so what do you advise anyone who is kind of on the beginning stage of their gut health journey and maybe they're they're starting to you know reach out to a naturopath or a holistic health practitioner or whoever that is um to get the right types of help but is there um is there uh, anything that you can suggest as far as like core foods for people who, you know, if you're just trying to make a really simplified whole foods diet, I feel like people really struggle just because of the immense amount of information out there. But like, what is your go-to for meals and, and that kind of thing? I think people would love to know that. Yeah. So it kind of varies. I, I do try and like change up the fruits and the vegetables and things that I'm eating, especially like seasonally, because it's, it's more cost-effective, but also like our gut microbiome thrives off a variety. So if you can just rotate, I know some people really, really love eating the same things for weeks and weeks and weeks, but our gut loves actually loves variety. So if like every week or even every other week, maybe you just like rotate those things, that would be amazing. But as far as me, um, for what I typically eat, so I rotate between, I eat a lot of seafood. Like I love fish, um, wild caught fish, wild caught shrimp. If you can purchase wild caught, that is ideal, um, over farmed. I try and do grass-fed beef. Um, I do chicken. A lot of times it'll be like ground chicken or ground turkey, um, but those are primarily like the proteins that I eat. And then as far as like, um, carbs, potatoes, sweet potatoes, I eat a lot of quinoa. I eat a lot of, um, rice, which, um, a little hack. I actually cook my rice in bone broth, mm. which yeah, gives it extra oh, flavor, <laughs> yes, extra flavor, extra protein. And it's, it's great for your gut health. So, um, so I do that. And then as far, and, and honestly, like when I like food prep or meal prep, however you want to word it, I will just sometimes make like two proteins for the week, like two or three carb sources and then like two veggies. Amazing. Yeah. Like I don't overcomplicate it. Like some people are like, I need these like fancy recipes and all of this. And I'm like, don't do that. Like, especially if you have like kids or families that you're feeding too, like don't stress yourself out, just make a few of each and then you're good to go. Yeah. And it's expensive to do yeah. a bunch of different things. I'm like terrible. It's so funny that you said our gut likes diversity because that is me as a person. <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> I get so bored and I'm such a foodie. So I like to switch it up. And my husband eats the same gosh darn thing every day. And I don't know how he does it. It drives me bonkers. So I'm definitely going to tell him I learned <laughs> that our gut microbiome like it better when we switch it up. Um, but yeah. can you talk a little bit about the relationship between gut health and stress? Because this is a big one. I think it's underrated. And it's also just like, it really does affect our, our overall gut health. So maybe you can start with, you know, how that that happens and what the function is. Um, and maybe if you have some tips or advice for people who are perhaps dealing with, you know, stressful situations or chronic stress. Yeah. So I feel like just as a society as a whole, I feel like we're all very stressed. Like we live such fast paced lives. Like I very seldom do I meet a person who is just like, nope, no stress in my life. Like you never... You never hear of that. Um, but ultimately, in regards to gut health, what it comes down to is stress 
when you have chronic stress in your life, in your body, it presents, it it presents itself physically, it manifests physically and stress ultimately creates inflammation. Like when you, when that stress just keeps building and building and building, it just creates inflammation in the body. And, you know, it could be that it creates inflammation in the gut. It could be that it prevents or presents as inflammation in the joints. But, you know, even then a lot of times when you do have inflammatory processes in the joints and pain in the joints, it's also coming from inflammation in the gut. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, the center of everything, right? And yes. It it's really- your like second brain. I would almost yeah. call it your first brain almost. Like it controls yeah. so much. Because if, you know, if your gut health is out of whack, your ability to think clearly and function as a human in society and not be exhausted mm-hmm. and have energy just goes out the window. So it's crazy the, the effect that it has. Um, do you have any tips or tricks for people to, uh, manage their, you know, and I think part of this is also like the, the bodily connection, like our mind body connection, because I think Mm -hmm. as women who are like, go, 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 we tend to really dissociate sometimes and we're all brain. And this is why things happen with the gut. And we don't really notice and we're having these symptoms and, you know, it just becomes this bad cycle. Um, so perhaps how people can get more grounded or just like some type of modality they can use or ideas or tools that you have for managing that stress and getting connected to the body again. Yeah. So typically what I always recommend, I mean, like you you mentioned, just like getting back into your body and, and again, like I know it's very hard to do sometimes, especially like if you're a mom who has children running around, like you don't always have moments to just be like, okay, I need to sit and get in tune with my body. But even honestly, if you can just take one minute and just sit and check in with yourself and what I like to do, and, and I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'm guilty of this too. Like, I don't get to do this every single day. But whenever you're thinking about it, just sit and just check in with yourself for a moment and ask yourself, like, what do I need in this moment? Just ask yourself that. And it's interesting sometimes what comes up, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, maybe I, I'm not actually anxious or tired or stressed. Maybe I just need to eat. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like when was the last time you ate something nourishing for your body? So maybe it's, you just need to eat. Maybe it's, you need to go for a five minute walk or like stretch for a minute or So really just like asking yourself what you actually need in that moment rather than getting on your phone and scrolling or, you know, turning on the television or doing that, just taking 60 seconds to check in with yourself first before doing anything else. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, in talking about um, stress and just like the fast paced life of everyone right now. Is there some habits that you think people have around like food and their eating habits or um, like, I don't know. I feel like as women, there's many people that I talk to and they say, I forget to eat or I don't eat until this time because I literally just forgot or, um, or there's like binging because they, they, they're starving. Like, it's just like the patterns are really all over the place. And our relationship with food is because has become over time, you know, out of convenience versus like true efficiency. 
Um, so I wondered if, if you had any comment or perspective on like the different things that we do that can actually really impact our digestion, because uh, I think that's a big one. So as far as like managing stress in regards to digestion? Well, I think like, you know, rushing eating, um, yeah. e you know, eating at certain times, you know, do like, I don't know how you feel about certain things like fasting or just like, even for me, I find that I can, if I'm not paying attention, I end up kind of forgetting to eat and then I kind of binge and then I like and then I my stomach is like a mess for a week and so different things like that that I think that we just have this you know it's a very low on our priority list of things that we need to do sometimes or pay attention to and those habits really translate in our into our ability to properly digest our food mm -hmm. which then becomes like a chronic problem we talk about constipation and IBS and that kind of thing um, and I know that a lot of it has to do with gut health and of course our diet in general, but I think the habits that we, and the relationship that we have food also probably contribute. Yeah, it, and it definitely does. And, and you can read li uh, literature too, which, I mean, I often say that IBS is kind of a BS diagnosis just because it does have a deeper, like rooted, um, issue there, but a lot of times IBS symptoms and things like that, they do have an emotional component, you know, related to how we go about our day. So like you mentioned, even just if we are rushed when we're eating, you know, taking the time to not be on your phone, not watching television, just focusing on what you're eating and noticing like what you're tasting in your meal. Like when was the last time you took a bite of your food and said, like, you can taste every single spice in that? Like yeah. when was the last time you noticed that? So checking in with that, um, I always recommend chewing like 20 to 30 times, like each bite. And most people are like, oh my gosh, like that's yeah. so many times. But when you think about it and you're chewing, you are already starting that digestion process. Like it doesn't begin when it gets to your stomach. It's starting with, you know, when you take that first bite. So if you actually take, you know, at least like 20 to 30 chews, you are just helping that process so that that food's already starting to be broken down. So you'll minimize the bloating and cramping and, and other things that can sometimes ensue when we just like rush and, and yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. It's something that, you know, you don't really think about that often until someone says it and you're like, Oh, I do scarf down my food or I do yeah. listen or turn on something while I'm eating breakfast and completely distract myself from, you know, the food that I'm having. But um, let's talk a little bit about bowel movements because I haven't talked about this yet on my show. And I think that there's lots of women listening that would agree that they probably need to have more optimal movements. So maybe you can just talk from your perspective about, uh, what you run into in your practice with clients struggling with this, what healthy movements should look like and, um, you know, how often they should be in that kind of thing, just so that everyone has it in their minds. Now there's no excuses. <laughs> yes. So something I always share with my clients, and if you've never heard of this, you may have since you've done a gut protocol, but it's called the Bristol stool scale. Have you heard of that? I think I've seen it floating around, but I don't think I actually know what it is. Okay. So essentially the Bristol stool scale is a breakdown of um, pretty much like seven different types of stool. And it gives like a description of like where you want your stool to be at. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> again, like becoming a detective of your stool too, just like yeah. with reading ingredients. 
Um, but typically we want our stool to be a type three or type four if you want to look at this chart. And I could actually send it to you so you could tag it um, yeah. in the, the notes. But we want it to be a three or a four. Anything above three, like type one or type two, is typically constipation. And then anything below that is, you know, we're getting into the realm of like loose stools or diarrhea and, and things like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> and how often should we be actually going to the washroom, like for women, especially? Yeah. So, I mean, I will say that it varies person to person, but I would say at least daily. If yeah. you think about it, you know, we're eating three, four, sometimes five times a day, depending on how many meals plus snacks and things like that. So when we are not having bowel movements regularly, what do you like, if you think about it, that food is just sitting in there. And yeah. when, I mean, if you think about it, like the same thing, if you had food just sitting on your countertop for, you know, some people who don't go three, four five plus days, what happens to that food? So just think about that happening inside your gut when you are not going regularly. And of course, that's when, you know, you start having all those other symptoms too, um, because you're essentially having rotting food just inside your, your colon. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I haven't really done all my research on that, but I think I was listening or reading something about the actual damage that can do, you know, being chronically constipated and the different kind of like toxins and stuff that obviously you want to excrete from your body. They're sitting in there being absorbed by your body. So, um, you're predisposed to having a lot more issues. And I heard that and I was like, Oh my gosh, okay. I got to take this more seriously. So as far as your functional testing goes, do you think that like there's some common results? There's a through line sometimes with people who are generally uncomfortable with their gut that, that come up or is it all over the map? Um, it honestly, it varies. It yeah. varies something I am seeing a lot more of recently. And I'm honestly not hundred percent sure why other than it is the things that we're eating that we're becoming exposed to just our guts, our gut microbiome becoming weakened, but I'm seeing a lot more H pylori. Mm. Yeah. A lot more H pylori. And, you know, we all have certain amounts of H. pylori in our gut, but, um, it just really becomes a problem when you do have all those other factors and your gut just continues to become weakened. And, you know, then that H. pylori can grow and grow and grow. And then you see a lot of other different symptoms and things. So that's something I'm seeing more of. Um, but otherwise across the board, it's, it, it varies. It yeah. really, really varies. I mean, they're so diverse and so different all over our bodies. And so yeah. I, let me get that. And so for, um, leaky gut, maybe could you explain what that is and some of the symptoms of it for people who have kind of been on the sidelines, listen to this, you know, or maybe they clicked on this episode because they think that they have some issues with their gut. Yeah. So leaky gut is essentially increased intestinal intestinal permeability. Mm -hmm. So the way I like to describe it is if like, you know, you go and you have a big spill and say you just have one paper towel that you try and clean up this massive mess with. And, and what happens? That paper towel does not have the ability to absorb everything. So it just starts leaking everywhere. Okay. So like micro holes essentially is what happens to your gut. Um, but some of the symptoms and, and honestly, the symptoms are vast. Yeah. Like you could have joint pain, you can have acne, you can have brain fog. You can have, of course, like 
the normal GI symptoms like the bloating, either the constipation, the diarrhea, or going back and forth. Um, even some some clients will have present with like anxiety, depression. You know, we're seeing more and more that when clients, when we start to heal your gut, a lot of those mental health symptoms go away too. Um, so I'm just trying to think, but but really the like the range is yeah. wide. Like if you have a symptom, there's a chance it could be leaked back, linked back to leaky gut. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is crazy. I mean, on my learning journey too, just kind of hearing some people's accounts of having like major anxiety and depression and then deciding to, you know, heal their gut with, you know, either a protocol or other, other ways and the immense improvement. It's like, wow, how connected our gut is to our brain in so many more ways than we know. Cause I think we've you know, there's been some studies on that and I won't cite them because I'm not a researcher, but the things that I have read have been extremely interesting about yeah. the, the connection between our mental health and our gut health. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. And, um, the other thing I wanted to touch on while I had you on was, uh, our hormonal health. I think, I think in general, if you are, a woman listening to this podcast, most of you are, um, you've probably dealt with some sort of hormonal imbalance or challenge or something like that. Um, maybe you can speak on your personal experience with, you know, clients that come to you with certain issues that usually end up being hormonal or environmental factors that affect it, or like, you know, what's going on with, with our hormones? <laughs> yes, that's a very good question. So yeah. Two things that I would, I think are worth mentioning. Um, a, a lot of my clients that come to me have been on years and years and years of birth control. That's number one. And then number two goes back to the environmental side of things, which is like the products that we're using. Um, you know, again, becoming a, a really good detective and like reading even your product labels in regards to the products that you're using. So many of the ingredients that they are putting in these products um, are severely disrupting our hormones. And, you know, most people, they start using a product and they love that product. So they use it for years and years and years. And then maybe it gets, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, they have unnecessary, like increased weight gain. They have acne, their hair's falling out. And not only is that disrupting your gut microbiome, but that's affecting your hormones too. So yeah, yeah, there's a direct correlation. Like our, it's, it's just crazy to think because I mean, our gut and our hormones are just so intimately connected, which truthfully, our gut is intimately connected with everything. Yeah. Like it is a portal essentially to everything. So yeah. yeah, that's wild. Is there any specific products that you would suggest women really start to pay attention to? Cause I know in my journey, like things that we, we're never really taught to think about, um, have come up, you know, like deodorants and tampons and those kinds of things, like, which just freaked me out because yeah. the amount of years that I've used to the same products. And then when you really look at it, it's kind of terrifying. Um, but yeah, do you have any specific, uh, suggestions for women to really like those, those products that they use? Of course, I'll let you, I'll let you them because I'm thinking of so many now. That, that... <laughs> yes. I mean, the, the list is extensive, but truthfully, like, because it can be overwhelming, especially 
especially when you are just starting on this journey or in this realm, like you don't want to just go into your house or your cabinets and throw everything out. Like number one, that's wasteful. Number two, like that's expensive for most people. Like most people can't afford to just wipe out their entire bathroom or kitchen, but how I would look at it from, if you're just starting, look at the things that you used, you use the most, the things that you use on a daily basis. So for women, the things like your body wash or your soap, your makeup, like you mentioned, your deodorant, your toothpaste. So just like starting to look at those, like even perfume, which perfume is a very like touchy subject, um, when it comes to your hormones and your gut health, but just those things that you use on a daily basis are the things that you are going to want to change first. That'll be the easiest. When you think about it, it is overwhelming. And the other thing that becomes overwhelming is, you know, slowly, but surely there are more environmentally friendly, but also just like humanly organic friendly products that are coming available, but it is also such an investment um, for whatever reason, right? Like it's expensive and it's hard to get your hands on those types of things that have like less chemicals in them. How crazy is that? I really do hope that there's a continued shift towards, you know, healthier products, especially for women, um, but that are more accessible because it can be really tough. Um, So I love that you shared that. And so um, on the topic of hormones, is there, and you mentioned um, women just, maybe we could talk a little bit about birth control and um, things like PCOS, you know, endometriosis. These are like, I wouldn't say they're hot topics, but I think people are talking about them more. And there's so many women that deal with these types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've dealt with, you know, a lot of pelvic health issues myself. Um, do you have clients that come to you that have had negative experiences with birth control and affecting, you know, their ability to have balanced hormones or fertility or anything like that? I can't really speak to fertility per se, but I definitely have in regards to their, their hormones, a lot of women, even myself included, I was on birth control for over 10 years and it took years. Most of these women, it does take years, like up to two, three years sometimes to really not only replenish your gut microbiome to get it back to, I guess, a place of homeostasis, if you will, but also just to balance your hormones. A lot of women, after they come off of birth control, they're experiencing hair loss, they're experiencing acne, they're experiencing the bloating, they're experiencing um, infections even, just because the pH of your body from those synthetic hormones is just, it's throwing off everything. Um, something I was reading a study actually recently, and it was talking about how even birth control affects your body so much in your brain chemistry to the point that it causes you to maybe even select a partner that you wouldn't normally select. So that's just, I don't know. That was like eye-opening to me. Yeah. It's wild. It's crazy. And I think, you know, there's, there's many women, a lot of them are in the same demographic as me listening to this. And I've spoken about it, you know, like yourself, I was on birth control for, I would say at least over a decade. And it just, all it did was it actually spurred on my depression when I was a teenager. And so then I was on antidepressants for a very long time. When I did come off of birth control, I was like, oh my God, I'm seeing the world in a different way. But then every bad possible thing that could like, you know, happen to the body, like you mentioned, infections, acne, discomfort, bloating, like, you know, those yucky symptoms that were clearly being suppressed. 
um, horrible, painful periods, instead of actually getting to the root of, oh, like it should, you shouldn't be on the floor for like two days as a 16 year old. It's like, just take this. Um, so that took me years to undo, you know, and figure out and, and navigate. And so, um, do you have any, any, I mean, we can talk personal opinions. Do you have any personal opinions as far as, um, birth control goes for women? Um, as far as personal opinions go, um, experience too, I think. Yeah. I mean, if I could go back, cause I was put on birth control. I think I was 14. Wow. I was 14 and I went on it, on it because I had painful periods and acne. And as a 14 year old, you know, you're in high school, you are impressionable. Like you don't want to just have breakouts and dealing with painful periods and things like that. Um, so me personally, I would not recommend it. Um, like if I had a daughter, I would not want her to go on it. I would also, you know, I would at least explain to her though, and give her options. Um, when I was 14, nothing was explained to me. They were just like, yes, this is going to fix all those things. And and in reality, like it fixed nothing. So I think that's where I think like advocating and being like, I kind of use this saying, and I picked this up from someone that I've like followed for years now, but it's like, be your own best doctor. Mm. Like you have to be, because if you do not ask questions and do your own research, I hate to say it, but like, who's like, who else is going to do that for you? Yeah. It's such a, you know, I love the emergence of like holistic health because the traditional medical field is just very like treat treating symptoms. And and it's not very, it's not a very holistic approach. It's very like symptomatic. What's your symptom? Let's give you something to fix it. And so when it does come to, you know, I think so many women's experience with birth control and not actually getting to know their bodies, like for the majority of their teenage and twenties, most of the time. And then we all come to this point where we're like, Hmm, Either we want to have children or we, we're having other issues present in other ways. And we want to see, you know, what would happen. And every the box is open instead of, you know, having um, that level of ad- advocacy when we were younger, being able to kind of understand, okay, there's an issue here. Like, what is it? Let's get to the root cause. So I think it's really powerful. And, um, and also the work that you're doing is obviously very powerful. It's interesting that you know, that you've taken this route, but obviously you mentioned it's because of your own experience with gut health. Um, it is. Yeah. What happened with that exactly? If you're willing to share. Yeah. So, and you know, I, I joke about this. Like if, if anybody here like goes and checks out my social media, like I try and bring humor to yeah. health just because like, it's, I don't know, it's tough enough, you know? Yeah. So why not be able to laugh through some of the things, but like there was an ongoing joke in my family for over 10 years, probably that like, I just never, like, I never pooped. Like I would never have a bowel movement because that that's just how it was. Like I was constantly bloated. I could not have regular bowel movements. Like no matter what I did, I would drink. I I kid you not. I would have bottles of prune juice and still not like, and so when I, I think, I believe it started probably when I was I don't know, probably 20, 21 years old is when I started noticing things. Um, and when I was 24, I had my first colonoscopy, which yeah, at the time I was like, I was a nurse. Like I had already been a nurse for about a year at that point. 
And thinking about it, I was like, all my patients who have colonoscopies are at least in their, you know, 50s. Like, what am I doing at 24 years old needing a colonoscopy? And so I had this colonoscopy. I got a diagnosis of IBS, was handed three medications, solved uh-huh. nothing. <laughs> um, and, you know, and then about two years down the road is when I don't, I don't know what you want to call it, but what sparked it for me, but it was just like something inside me, my intuition, just something told me that like, this is not okay. These medications are not solving anything. That's when I decided to stop birth control. It was just like, bam, bam, bam. Like all of these things, just something inside told me that like, in order to seek true healing, these pills are not it. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I think that so many women can resonate with like that story, whether it's, you know, constipation or a bunch of other symptoms that, um, I do feel like for whatever reason, like you said, you know, your, your family with all well-intentioned joked about that you didn't go to the washroom. I think sometimes these types of symptoms can be really normalized for women and like, oh yeah, it's part of the female experience. Like, oh, you're stressed. Oh, you're this. And, and what you're saying is like, intuitively, you got to a point where you recognize that this actually isn't okay to have to live this way. It's not solving or or healing a problem. And so, you know, if, if anyone takes anything from this episode, um, I would love for it to be that, you know, no one has to suffer in silence with any of these symptoms because they are, they shouldn't be normal. Right. Am I right to say that? Absolutely. It's <laughs> common, but not normal at all. Right. Oh, I love that. It's common, but it's not normal, not yeah. acceptable maybe to have to yeah. just kind of live with those types of things. Okay. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for doing this and sharing your experience with me and everyone here. And maybe you can just leave um, the audience members with where they can best find you. And I will also leave that stuff in the show notes when we air this episode. Of course. So I am active on Instagram and TikTok. On Instagram, you can find me. My handle is Lindsay, the holistic mama and TikTok. I am the holistic mama. So that awesome. is where you can find me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lindsay. This is great. Thank you for having me.